0: Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready, Play, Tennis podcast. New balls, please. That's
1: why I didn't get, excuse me, can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come
0: they can say whatever they want to me?
1: Oh, it's old talent, that don't work. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am. I'm gonna be his boyfriend.
0: Ready. Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwyn. And usually we try and do some fun little intro, little tease, but this episode, as at the very start, has got to be all about the Joker.
1: What a shock. Joko is yet again our headliner for episode like what is this now three or four episodes where he's been the main headline? Well, I mean he is the number one player in the world So, (laughs) you know funny that you should say that I seem to have um, amnesia when it
0: comes to remembering who the number one players in the world are (laughs) number one player in the world and Overwhelming favorite obviously to win the US Open up until about three or four in the afternoon, on Sunday, cray cray. Mm-hmm. Were you? So I was texting you. You weren't. You hadn't watched it live. So I was trying to be a good little boy and catch up on some of my work. Work mm-hmm. and could not stop paying attention to our Instagram as you and I have both discussed. <laughs> it's, it's an ongoing thing and. Before we started recording, I obviously expressed to you the challenges of watching tennis in the way that I used to through the PVR, recording all the matches, seeing the ones that I want to watch on the schedule and then going to those. Because as this thing, this incident was taking shape, I think you had said that your phone was lighting up and I started getting a few messages as well.
1: Yeah, the tennis fan was blowing up my phone. Very (laughs) quick context. I was working at Nevada Rose, my friend's store, and, you know, was excited to watch my um, full slate of tennis viewing in the evening. And people were just messaging me on Facebook, Instagram, texting me. They're like, did you hear what happened with Novak? And instantly I texted him like, girl, did you hear? But you hadn't seen.
0: Mm Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No, I hadn't seen. I mean, I thought some of the most interesting things we were going to talk about were Sitsipas's collapse mm. in the third round. And then the whole thing with Zverev and Manorino and the match being delayed by like three hours. But then, <laughs> but then this happened and juicier things prevail.
1: Yes. OK, give all of our listeners a recap because you are amazing when it comes to things like that. I think.
0: Well, thank you. Thanks for the compliments. Um, So it was five all in the first set between Pablo Carreña Busta. PCB? PCB! (laughs) And Novak Djokovic. He seemed a little bit frustrated. So admittedly, again, I was not watching the match. So I sort of... Fast forwarded it to the juicy part. I was like, What happened? What is going on? I only knew that he had been defaulted. So I just fast forwarded it to get up to where things um, took shape. He was clearly a little bit frustrated earlier on. So he, um, I think, lost a point and he swatted a ball at the side of the wall. Um, so not near anybody, although it was off camera, so it was hard to see. But he swatted it against the signage at the side of the court. Mm-hmm. And then uh, during a, uh, one of the points... Um, still five all, he slipped and fell and sort of like jammed or tweaked his shoulder. Mm. So he had an a bit of an injury. So at that time, the uh, umpire allowed him to, to be checked by a trainer because he sort of tweaked his shoulder. So they, you know, masked up and he got some treatment. Then he came back on the court and there was two or three more points, and Djokovic was broken, I believe, at 15. So he had only gotten one point and was broken. Mm -hmm. And he was sort of at the service line area and was walking back towards the seat. And as he did that, he took the ball out of his pocket and flicked the ball with his racket towards the back of the court mm. and his number <laughs> one target was probably not the lines judge that poor but lady. Yeah. Who people are calling Karen. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot believe people are evil, but anyway, um, well, the n- Noli
1: family is probably calling her Karen. <laughs> <laughs> so no, Nolly family. As in the fans of Novak Djokovic. The fans, yeah. Yes, not his actual family.
0: So or maybe, <laughs> maybe who knows? I mean, Dimitrov gave to give Djokovic COVID. Remember? So <laughs> anyway, uh, she got struck where it look what looked like in the throat, mm-hmm. um, and she keeled over. She was um, she sort of yelped and and was gasping and. She got knocked over, basically. And uh, uh, clearly, as we all know from having seen the tape, all of us tennis fans probably watched it multiple times. (laughs) Stefan from Chicago probably watched it a (laughs) hundred times. (laughs) And um, yeah, he clearly didn't mean to do it.
1: No, I don't think so either. Of course he didn't.
0: Yeah. but And he was obviously mortified when he saw what happened. But um, there are consequences.
1: Okay, you know what? I'm glad that we raised that specific detail because, according to the player rule book, doesn't a disqualification happen when a player? Doesn't there have to be intention? Intention to hit a ball with aggression? I, that's I read that somewhere. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, and I think where there's some confusion is that. Um, there was intention to hit the ball and he, he hit it aggressively and it caused harm He obviously didn't have an intention to cause the person harm But his intention to hit the ball and hit it in aggressive or violent fashion caused the harm So that's right. where that's where he is getting dinged And he's getting dinged big time as the favorite in the tournament by Hon- getting the
1: boot Honey bun, that sounds like a straight up DQ to me Like no argument, no confusion Mm-hmm. Pack your bags, honey but, Well, don't pack your bags because you have to stay quarant. You have to stay in your hotel room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he, um, but it took a long time. They were on court discussing with the tournament referee and the umpire for about ten minutes. And I've seen since seen uh, some of the uh, dialogue or the quotes that Djokovic was trying to talk them through mm. and trying to get them to consider other <clears throat> avenues and other. Um, Options for their decision as opposed to a default
1: Yeah, you know hmm, What's my initial thought? Um, In the aftermath I As you know have been reading a lot of the comments from our friends and tennis family on Facebook and Instagram and You know we have one friend Gus uh, In Montreal and when we talked about the Serena incident his entire reasoning was rules are rules and the rules are set in stone if you in infringe upon the rules then you have to suffer the appropriate ramifications so you know within the definition of the rule Djokovic should and did get defaulted that's Gus's point um yeah I mean I I don't I don't see how there could be any other way I mean I've I've seen and heard on Instagram that a lot of the Nole fans are calling, you know, that poor lines woman, other than calling her Karen, they're, they're awarding her best actress for overacting. Did you hear
0: that? I have seen sort of like uh, memes with Oscars in hands and uh, near the incident. And it's just, <laughs> I like this poor woman wanted any of this. So people I think have creeped her out and, and found her Instagram and they're like, putting awful comments out there like this woman actually wanted to get hit in the throat and and (laughs) plans for this to happen
1: but i do have a question for you being you know the all knowledgeable rep on this podcast for the men's (laughs) tour so in i watched um you know discussion about the disqualification with Johnny Mac Patrick McEnroe was there I believe the re- the tournament director was there or some representative was there from uh, the US Open James Blake was there and Patrick McEnroe was going on and on about how he had been noticing that Novak has been playing with fire for years you know you know his tantrums on court are well known they've been well documented um, players and fans alike have seen them, and it was just a matter of time for him to be defaulted or, sorry, disqualified in this way. So do you think, like, I, I don't watch Novak a lot. Does does mm-hmm. he have a bit of an attitude on court?
0: Yeah, I think he can be a bit aggressive in that way. I mean, obviously, he didn't intend, intend to do that, but he does have, I think, a tendency to cause his own bad behavior when he's not playing well I don't know if it's to the extent of what Patrick was was saying I think yeah it's tough I mean I don't have a a huge backlog of of memories of him misbehaving I obviously have not watched as many matches as Patrick (laughs) may have (laughs) but he was he's obviously gone through a lot this summer Mm. with his own Adria Tour, which we talked about at length. Yeah. Uh, the things that he's been doing with this new player council, uh, trying to continue to reach and achieve the heights of Nadal and Federer and get to 18, which would be one behind Nadal and two behind Federer. And he wasn't, uh, you know, I think he went through a few points in that, in that game, where he was getting upset and that boiled over after he had his little jarring of his shoulder and you know, he just hit the unfortunate target.
1: Yeah. You know, I, through this journey of our podcast, again, I am not as well versed and knowledgeable about the men's tour. I mean, obviously I had heard and, have no of <laughs> Novak Djokovic before we started. But what I've learned of him since we started this whole journey in mid-May is that he does have narcissistic tendencies. You know, I think he feels like he's um, invincible. I think he feels that he is above the rules. And, uh, you know, every time we have a podcast, when we begin to record, he has shown... This kind of penchant toward narcissism in so many instances and you know uh, It didn't help him to be honest that he you know got disqualified and Then he left the premises immediately like he didn't even Talk to the press about it and take ownership for what he did not until after when he released his statement on Instagram so Mm. uh, I I don't necessarily feel one way or another toward Djokovic. Um, I certainly don't know enough about the behavior of, for example, Nadal or Federer to say that he acts worse either way. But I don't know. From what I've seen of his behavior, he just is not. He's not. He's not my. He's not my kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling him so much. Tbh.
0: he, <laughs> T-B-H. Mm-hmm. he to uh, PCB, mm-hmm. he didn't do himself any favors by leaving the premises and not owning up to his mistake in front of the media in the same way Dennis Chapeau did when he laced the umpire in the eye, mm-hmm. which caused that umpire to have surgery during Davis Cup. Broke his
1: orbital bone.
0: Yeah. And he, Dennis, obviously apologized, I think, right away, took ownership as a 17-year-old. And I think he even, I heard, paid for the the umpire surgery
1: you know what dennis if i didn't like you before i like you even more now honey bun.
0: yeah and get i me, think he, get me a
1: ticket on that night train <laughs> <laughs>
0: i think he learned and grew from that incident as well
1: yeah and look at him now mm-hmm. when you learn from your mistakes positive things happen in your life because the situation does not repeat itself because the universe has said to you Bitch, you learned. So we're going to level you up. And Chapo's (laughs) level up is a quarterfinal appearance. That's
0: right. He's the only (laughs) Canadian in the quarterfinals. And we're going to get to that in a second. But sticking with Djokovic for a bit. Okay. There's obviously this ongoing conversation that if it were Federer or Nadal or somebody else that maybe the treatment would have been different. What do you say to that?
1: Uh, Would it have been different? I mean, I would like to believe that if it, was the U.S. Open where this happened if it had been Federer or Nadal that the U.S. Open would have treated them in exactly the same way I mean their statement that the U- that they released speaks to that that you know the rules are the rules and players that are in disregard of the rules are going to be fined slash treated accordingly so yeah I think if Nadal or Federer would t- would have been uh, would have taken the place of Joko, they would have also been disqualified. But again, to Stefan's point, um, you know, I think he feels based on his comments on Facebook that if Federer, for example, he cited an example where Federer hit a ball in anger uh, into the crowd at Roland Garros during his 2019 semifinal, and he, that boy did not get any kind of violation.
0: He so, didn't get a warning or a, like a ball abuse or anything like that?
1: I don't believe so. I don't believe anyway that's not what the post indicated so I don't know I mean I, I, I wouldn't be the right person to say but I do believe had it been at the US Open that all parties involved would have been disqualified. Federer, Joko, Rafa, didn't matter who. What about Nick Kyrgios? Oh, well, Nick Kyr- Nick Kyrgios, okay, talking about another person likes to have the attention on himself. Nick Kyrgios obviously could not help herself. She was back in Australia playing her video games, you know, hanging with his girlfriend, chilling out. He saw what had happened to his boy, Joko, and,
0: of course, he got on his phone, and he let the Twitter world know mm-hmm. what was going what did, on. What did he say? He <laughs> wanted to do a little bit of comparative shopping? Correct. So... He said on Twitter, quote, swap me for Joker's
1: incident accidentally hitting the ball kid in the throat. How many years would I be banned for? And apparently he posted a poll and he gave the option of five, 10, 20 years were the options um, with 20 winning by a considerable margin at the time of the writing. So everyone that answered his Twitter post said 20 years and and an American player chimed in uh, this guy. I don't know her, Tommy Paul he said we'd be bailing you out of jail right now so I mean right. apparently apparently he, he lives up to his bad boy moniker and if it were Curios, he feels that he would have been put in jail <laughs>
0: <laughs> or he would have been treated exact the, uh, exactly the same I would hope anyway
1: mm-hmm. but you talking about getting under people's skin
0: <laughs> I, did, I did, uh, On behalf of our podcast, I did have a little run uh, in and get getting under the skin of what the one and only king, the mm-hmm. one and only the one and only dear tennis, dear tennis. <laughs> yeah, we'll call him. We'll call him dear tennis. Let's take a breath here. Let's take a breath here. <laughs> dear tennis. Uh, yeah, dear tennis uh, also made a comment having watched FAA. Um, in his matches probably against murray where he dominated and uh the little nugget moutet 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 with the bouteille.
1: moutet mute en francais and moutet for all you anglophones out there
0: yes moutet with the bootay <laughs> so he saw the dominance and he was quoted as saying that uh faa is a great talent i'm sort of paraphrasing and that he is going to bring a lot of people to the sport and reminds him of somebody.
1: Mm. And Um, okay, let's just, for clarification's sake, that person that that he, that FAA reminds him of is, this is how you interpreted it, let's just be clear, it was not me, but it It was was, Jason.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah uh, he's well so his quote is faa is sick to watch gonna bring fans from other sports reminds me of someone so that someone obviously is himself that was my interpretation and
1: and when jason shared that with me i read his quote and i agreed with him i said yes of course he's referring to himself who else could it Mm -hmm. be
0: Mm -hmm. so i jumped on that quote which was posted by the atp tour and i said is king curios implying he's like Felix <laughs> Oshay aliasim, and then I gave the little eye roll emoji and the little <laughs> laugh emoji, and I said, "Come on now, ellipses." <laughs> I think FAA actually wants to win a Grand Slam, ellipses, and will.
1: Oh, oh and will hit and where it will, hurts.
0: and this is harkening back, obviously, to quotes that Curios has made where he has said that he has no interest in winning Grand Slams.
1: Yeah, so Jason's comment uh, in response uh, definitely had a reference. Now, um, you know what? Here's the thing. Jason and I are obviously both co-hosts on this podcast. When we post, we post as a unit. Um, I will always be there to defend my partner on and off the court we do have differing opinions on many things as we are as we are discovering on this podcast journey um did i necessarily agree with jason's comment? i mean i don't know if it's a question of agreeing or disagreeing but (laughs) 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 here's the thing though jason played that comment like nick curios plays comments so if sweetie Mr. Nick Kyrios up in Australia, if you're listening to this podcast, because you did call us albatrosses. (laughs) If you can't, if you can't, um, if if the kitchen, what's the expression?
0: (laughs) Dear tennis.
1: No, no, no. (laughs) I'm saying like, if you
0: can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, baby.
1: Like, (laughs) come (laughs) on, come on now. Come on now. Jason, Jason just called you on your bluff, and you you came back and you called us an albatross. I don't know what that is.
0: It's it's dead weight. Dead so we're weight. We're dead weight. So we're he said. Weight. He said... I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) 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 I mean, what kind of voice do we have? We have a few thousand listeners. It's fine. (laughs) At Ready Play Tennis Podcast, you obviously didn't understand the comment, Albatross. Mm. I'm Mm. talking about fans and growing the sport. Do you know what this is? It's called ENTERTAINMENT in all caps. He put ENTERTAINMENT in all caps.
1: Okay. Well, you know what? At the very least, we got his attention... And I want to say kudos to my partner, Jason, for um, catching it because he had enough spice there in that comment to cause a reply from King Kurios himself.
0: Clap, clap. Th- yeah. Thanks, King Kurios. Thanks, King Kurios for paying attention to the U.S. Open, if not playing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you are you're, uh,
1: you're the master of subtle shade. Oh, yeah. You are. You are the master of of subtle shape. People would be like, what does he mean? But.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now we have to get serious. So. Okay, let's get serious. I'm going to put my serious face on right now. Serious. So, we had up until today, we had three Canadians still in the draw in the round of 16, which was like the first time ever in the open era, as they call it. Fa. And yeah, and now we're down to one we're down to one we I got sha- we got chapo still in the hunt and cha- he's chapo is playing very very well
1: mhm i watched um his press conference after he beat sorry remind me again who did he D- beat De- david gothan gothan yes the goblin no sorry what was his <laughs> what was his moniker not the, the- goblin Perpetual quarterfinalist, I think, is what. Thank you. That's the yeah. that's the moniker that I gave him on our show, um, and Shabo was talking about how, you know, he has been inspired by his girlfriend. I'm sure his girlfriend really inspires him, his coach, <laughs> and you know his team to not only become a fledgling or rapper, but also to be a Grand Slam quarterfinalist. And he was talking about how, you know, very similar to Monfils, who is all about the show and the flash. Chapo loves those big shots. Chapo loves lo- those dramatic moments. But he has recently turned the corner. And you know what? He has learned how to play S-M-A-R-T. That's smart for those smart. of you that can't spell <laughs> <laughs> or read. <laughs> uh, tennis, smart tennis.
0: Yeah, I think he still probably has a bit of work to do in that area to <laughs> sort of tight to <laughs> tighten up some of those uh, ground strokes in those key moments. But... He definitely was playing more within himself, I think, in those the second through fourth sets against Gauphin. But yeah, he he needs to, I think, bring it down a little bit. But I mean, he is quite the showman. I love watching him hit a backhand. I'm so jealous every time I see him hit a backhand. You're getting there though, sweetie. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you know, I continue to work on it. And, you know, speaking of that, I was watching some commentary in one of the matches with with Taylor Dent and he is talking about his (laughs) coaching and he was saying, which I think is interesting within the context of what we've talked about previously, is that you can't always you can't prioritize improving and winning at the same time. And that, I think, is very interesting and true, as we have talked about your forehand and my backhand. So if you want to improve your shot, you can't always go back to the things that have worked for you. Yes. Otherwise, you're never going to improve.
1: Yes. As was evidence in our last practice match, where I kept on saying, one hand, Aldwin, one hand, Aldwin. Like, if you're practicing something, you want to level up, you got to always do that thing that you're practicing. Anyway, that's Mm -hmm. my little
0: spiel. Did you answer yourself? (laughs) I did. And I still (laughs) hit with a two-handed forehand every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the Canadians. Felix flamed out a bit against team today.
1: I think, I don't know that he flamed out. Team was just, he put all of his booty energy into that match.
0: That booty is on point.
1: Yes. And he was, he said, not today, sweetie. I'm going to send you back to O Canada. And he did <laughs> in three sets. <laughs>
0: so we only have one uh, Canadian left, which is Dennis. Um, all, the other Canadian who got bounced today was Anything's Pospisal. Mm. And Anything was not pospical today because he lost to the little baby Hitler mustache, <laughs> as our TLGA, <laughs> TLGTA friends called it. <laughs> I mean, well done, Bobby. Bobby's not wrong. I mean no, that mustache. It's, it's mm, I cannot. That mustache is a
1: statement. He. It's a bad choice. He well, that's what I was gonna say. He that was a
0: choice, and he is living with it. I mean, he does resemble. Him. Yeah. Yeah. But das Führer.
1: Das Führer.
0: I know. Yeah, that's not a good look.
1: But Das Führer is in the quarterfinal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So he's he's happy. Okay, so we're not, we do not support Nazis. We do not, you know, hail Das Führer. We're just pointing out that the mustache looks a little bit Hitler-esque and maybe Alex de Manure should smell some manure and then cut the mustache
1: hmm yeah i mean like he's not gonna listen to us but listen uh, on some got guys him to the quarterfinals exactly on some guys it could look really cute but i'm not feeling it for him
0: no yeah no no so we 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 want to move from the to talk about the women and then we want to talk about the men and we're going to talk about both draws but we wanted to talk a little bit about Benoit pair Mm. and this double bubble scenario and the whole thing that happened with the match on Saturday with Zverev and Manorino where it got delayed by like three hours
1: yes that is correct now admittedly I don't know very much about many of the details surrounding the double bubble so I'm going to try and Uh, share with everyone what I understand so Benoit Paire was asked uh, tested positive those in his cercle d'amis his circle of friends as one would say en français had (laughs) also been asked to self-isolate and many voices have since perked up saying that this whole um, you know bubble idea that the USTA has presented to the press and and such is pretty much a sham. I mean, what's her name? Kiki. Kiki, do you love me? Was talking some ish about this bubble situation, wasn't she?
0: Yeah, and I don't speak French as well as you do. I know you're practicing because you're going back to school soon. (laughs) But yeah, she was talking some smack because she was doing a story and she was talking about uh, she she was sort of vi- weirdly videotaping and the entourage that was following her to the doubles court after she lost her singles match. She was just in doubles. Mm. Um, obviously, Benoit Paire has been saying some shady things. <laughs> and then there was the incident with Manorino where nobody sort of knew what was going on. The match, I think, was supposed to start at 2.30. It didn't start till like 5.15. Apparently, there was a bunch of conversations that involved local authorities and the governor and Novak who was advocating I think to allow Manarino to play because that was the discussion that he had been in contact obviously with with Benoit perhaps playing cards or like laying in a onesie <laughs> and um, there was obviously some concern from authorities that he perhaps shouldn't play but they Did eventually play, and he did go down to Zverev. But, yeah, so basically, the U.S. Open is a bubble. Pair tests positive. Those who were in contact him are then placed in some sort of other bubble within the bubble. But we don't know how further confined they are. But clearly, Pair has been just hanging out in his hotel room.
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, What I think of immediately is, so when Kiki started talking smack about this faux bubble, she had already lost to whoever it was she lost to in the draw, which means that if she was flagged as a person that had come into close contact with Pierre, why wasn't she asked to isolate? I mean, maybe in in that respect, she does have a point, you know? And then so Manorino, like, the fact that the U.S. Open has presented – to the media that they have been on top of the contact tracing and making sure that they've contacted the players that were in immediate contact with Benoit Paire, why did it take so long for them to figure out what to do with the Manorino match? Either you were in contact with pair or not. And what do they do in the interim? Do they test him? What do they do? I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah I think the people who are in contact with Paire, the, the aggressive nature of the testing would have increased, so they. I think they would have been tested every day. So, perhaps Kiki and Manorino and Gasquet, who we haven't talked about in this context, who sort of fizzled out as well, I guess, from the draw, mm-hmm. were all part of that. So we don't know all of the details. I think the U.S. Open and the U.S.T.A. can't really talk about it so much because it does involve people's health and people's test results, which they can't make public because they are, um, heads health information. That's why you didn't know who had tested positive until you saw somebody else. Um, somebody removed from the draw and you found out it was Benoit pair, but I don't think the USDA ever said who, who had tested positive.
1: Correct. Okay. All right.
0: So anyway, that was just very, Interesting and and I think you had a differing opinion from me. Obviously, I give the USTA and the U.S. Open the benefit of the doubt that they're trying their best, but you're you're still having general wonderments and feelings about how safe it really is and how confined I, it is and the and the the nature of of whether all players are sort of being treated the same.
1: Yeah. So let me clarify because I just want it. I just want the words to kind of come out of my own own mouth. I don't have any questions in terms of how safe the USTA has created the environment for the players. I think it's super safe. I think they've done a phenomenal job in terms of ensuring that a tournament that's being played during this time of COVID is following all of, the, all of the necessary protocol. That's what I believe. What I, what I call into question is when there are a bunch of players that all say the same thing in terms of the, there being this quote-unquote faux bubble, you know, I don't see a reason for them to be lying. Mm-hmm. Why, why would they be lying about that? And a lot of the details that we just went over, why did it take Manorino so long to get on the court? They should have known that he was the person that was in contact with Pair. and either he's defaulted or he gets to play. I don't understand why there was such a delay. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that there is, I believe that there is some truth to what these French players are saying in terms of this faux bubble and I mean if uh, listen i think the usta has a huge reputation at their reputation at stake they have clearly gone on a limb here holding a tournament during this time of covid they're going to try to protect that and you know if we're going to connect this back to like the novak djokovic situation at the beginning of our podcast do i necessarily think that there's preferential treatment for certain players I mean, I think there is a little bit of that, and that's kind of like the elephant in the room that James Blake had mentioned during his commentary about the Djokovic disqualification, that there are lower-level lower level players that say the rules are not applied evenly to everyone. So, you know, I credit you, Jason, for having so much positivity and optimism about the USTA, but I'm not sure that we're getting the full picture is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's... That's fair. I do agree that if, if um, there was concern about Manarino, why why wasn't he taken out of the draw earlier? The only thing I could think of is perhaps he had received a test and was waiting for the results and they hadn't got the results for his test that particular day, so they wanted him to wait. That's the only thing that I can think if if he was on this more aggressive regimen of getting tested mm. daily and they didn't get his result for that particular day in a timely manner. But who knows? None of us really know. But And, you know, the questions, I think, are valid, but they're also coming from the same crew of friends who have a friend who tested positive so there could you know there could be just a bit of yammering amongst the friends and complaining but (laughs) that's just the other side of the of the coin i guess all right that's fair i'll give you that i'll give you that (laughs) so we want to talk about the draw and who's remaining so we're going to talk first about the ladies
1: okay week two y'all here we go quarterfinal It is. I'm not- already
0: exhausted, by the way.
1: I know. Same. My God. So much tennis playing. So much tennis playing. But, you know, we're here for it and we're here to deliver you the news as we understand it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ladies draw quarterfinal matchups. Here we go. Top half. Jen Brady versus Putin Seva. Osaka versus Rogers bottom half of the draw you got Peronkova versus Serena Williams and the last quarter it has not yet been decided the fourth round matchups are Azarenka versus Mukova and I believe last time I checked Mukova was leading in the first set okay you, you you have an update or no I do not let me check that out right now hold on give me a quick second
0: I would ask that you not spoil the other match for me because I would like to watch that one.
1: Dang, Mukova won the first set 7-5. And in the very bottom of the draw, you've got Kennen versus Mertens. So, I just wanted to highlight a couple of players. Jason, please feel free to jump in as you wish. For mm-hmm. the first week, there are some amazing stories coming out of the women's draw. Let's start with our girl, Miss Brady of the mm-hmm. Brady
0: Bunch. Pl- I love her. I feel like I know her because you know we watched we watched her play Halep at the Rogers Cup last year, and we you know we got a little a little dicey with her, and I I thought you know the Romanians in the crowd, and there's a lot of Romanians in Toronto, were, were gonna be sad that day she lost the Halep, but she's just coming into her own. Obviously, she won in Lexington, mm-hmm. and she is strong. She's got strong ground strokes, and she's got and and tidy she's tidy, tidy. she's got like pow- she's got power but she's she keeps the ball within range something that you and I should try
1: <laughs> yeah definitely we should try that based on our last practice set on a yeah. couple days ago <laughs> um, okay what i wanted to say about brady was this when we watched brady lose to halep again she's a player who exhibits her emotions on her sleeve but she talked recently in a couple of interviews saying that she's kind of changed her mind frame and really really thought about playing positively and this kind of play really showed up in her defeat of Kerber. I remember I was in the car with our friend Ryan, and Ryan said, you gotta watch out for Kerber because Kerber has the kind of game that could win a Grand Slam during this time of COVID. She's consistent, she's a backboard, she doesn't do anything special, but you know she waits for her opponent to make the mistakes, and Kerber could be the silent killer in this whole draw. But you, wa- you and I watched that match. Brady was playing aggressive. Her forehand was on point. She was dictating play, and she said, "Not today,
0: girl." Not today, Miss Thang. Yes. Yeah, she um, she was dictating the whole first set, and even as Kerber got into the match, she was still able to to hang with her, and still. She wasn't necessarily dictating, but it also speaks to the other layer of her game, which is she can move around the court and play defensive as well.
1: Correct. And, you know, this is Brady's best shot at a semifinal appearance at a slam because she plays Putin Seva. And Putin Seva is having a great tournament, but Putin Seva really doesn't have a lot of weapons. Based on how Brady played against Kerber, she's the one to look at in the top half of the draw, I think.
0: I have have picked her to make the semi.
1: Dying, sis.
0: Yeah. Okay. Moving on.
1: Uh, sorry, did you was that my stomach that you heard? <laughs> <laughs> did
0: your stomach growl? I did. It growled. Okay.
1: Oh. Very quickly, number one seed Plishkova lost, but no one really cares because I forgot she was the number one seed. So moving <laughs> on. Um, another big story of the years, Miss Shelby Rogers. Mm-hmm. Another Girl. one who
0: did well in Lexington.
1: Yes, uh, you we you and I watched the Kavita match hmm Comments, yeah, she
0: w- thoughts? Kvitova blew four set points, or sorry, four match points. She blew... Uh, Kvitova on hard court is
1: probably, s- like, second most dangerous to Kvitova on grass court because she can just blast you off the court. But this Miss Shelby Rogers, again, said, not today, sweetie. She saved four match points in an insane slugfest, played the match of her life, and now she finds herself in a quarter's in the quarters where she faces Naomi Osaka. Mm -hmm. So good on Shelby.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize Shelby had such power herself. I admittedly haven't watched her play a ton. I watched some highlights of her win over Serena Mm -hmm. in Lexington and then watched a bit more of the match with Kavitova and she was going toe-to-toe with her off the ground.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I don't pick Shelby against Naomi. I think Naomi is, you know... Yes, she is appearing um, at all of her matches with a with a BLM mask, a person a person of color that has been killed, and so in that way she has received a lot of uh, media attention and deservedly so. But you know, in terms of tennis, Naomi's quietly going through the draw, and she also looks very sharp. So I pick Osaka over Rogers in that in that quarterfinal. Um, but good for Shelby for making it so. F-
0: so. <laughs> this far <laughs> <laughs> you've already called the match I've well, called the, the match <laughs> great job Shelby you've made the quarterfinals we'll see you next year <laughs> I, I also picked Osaka okay
1: moving on quickly Parankova no who? Serena is gonna take it She okay? No, Serena's for sure gonna take it, but let's just give a clap clap out to Peronkova. Part of the Mothers on tour. It's a mother's quarterfinal. It's okay. I didn't know this detail, but this U.S. Open is her first tournament in three (laughs) in three years. Is it? That's amazing. And she makes it to the quarters. Like she beats Cornet. Cornet was kind of on fire because she beat former U.S. Open finalist Madison Keys. But again, yeah. I got my cervix blown out, but (laughs) I'm going to get on this court and I'm going to play some matches. I'm going to win,
0: is what she said. She she doesn't have a ton of power, but she seems similar to Kerber in in the ability to redirect the ball a bit, but I can't see Serena having much trouble. I'm sorry. Mama versus Mama. I'm going to pick Serena
1: okay yes um my sentimental favorite is miss vika i know Mm -hmm. she lost the first set to mikova but she beat sabalenka her country woman in a hot mess error-filled match she beat the polish girl swiatek and i mean just going back to what we said about vika in the last match as the cincy champion she looks relaxed she looks happy she looks confident laser focused she looks damn good in that louis vuitton mask (laughs) and you know what i if if i have a prayer out into the tent to the tennis gods zachary and cc pass let vika win please yeah it would be
0: nice to see vika win another slam she hasn't won the us open on the australia but i don't know i don't know if she could get past sophia
1: Mm, kenan yeah what i don't know that go ahead
0: yeah i don't know that she could take her if if Kenan beats Mertens this evening and uh, I don't think um, I don't think Vika would get past Kenan
1: okay okay sorry I'm just a bit scattered in my first of all the Kenan Mertens match is a tough one to call because Mertens is also on fire remember last podcast you and I both said she is the most consistent player in this return to tournament play you know, and, but Kennan is also a silent killer. She has one slam under her belt. She moves to the draw very quietly, but I, I, I don't know. I think Vika looks really sharp, and I think whether it's Mertens or Kennan, she still has a good shot at that, at Mm -hmm. at getting to the final.
0: Hey, she, you know, she's a two-time Grand Slam champion. She's won many titles, so there is a shot for sure. I just don't know. Kennan's ball is so crisp and Mm -hmm. she can just sort of hit it wherever she wants (coughs) she doesn't uh, there's a lot of disguise i think yes in her in her game and the way she hits her ground stroke she don't really know if she's going behind you or if she's pulling you in the other direction so that's what my grinder hookup said to me yesterday (laughs) (laughs) so for the semis then (laughs) you your hope is that vika beats mukova and and then then it would be oh sorry the court where the quarters semis, the quarters yeah. yeah
1: yeah um okay last person we got to talk about i think the biggest story of the us open so far is serena mhm jason you said last week that serena you pulled a quote from serena saying that her recent play was
0: like her trying to kick out a, a boyfriend correct and she, what- she, and she she beat the boyfriend today, Sacary. <laughs> <laughs> Sacary played so well, though.
1: She did, and you know, I thought that seeing Tom Hill's Sacary's coach in Satori this morning, his consistent coach of his view of center court with that little pastry and his coffee was going to be, ad- it was going to add to the winning tradition. But alas, it was not meant to be.
0: I am pleased though with the women that are coming up and and the stories that you've talked about this this week. Brady, Rogers, Sachary, Vika again, Mertens, like these are it's nice to sort of see some good solid players and as we've talked about with the women's draw over and over, it would be nice to see some consistent players who are on the winning end. So you know, when we talk about Kenan, for example, it would be nice to see her win again because Oh, so you don't wanna, you don't think Serena's a story? I think Serena is a story for sure. She's come she overcame um these feelings. I think she's finding it within herself on the court and finding her own uh motivation. When she went down to love in the third set, she got very um emotional as we've talked about she wears everything on her sleeve and she had a few yells she had a few obviously um like chords that didn't go her way which could easily be frustrating you know all about that playing me (laughs) (laughs) i do (laughs) but yeah she's um she played really well today despite it going to three sets she sort of blew the tie break in the second And I'm sure that was weighing on her Having lost in the same way To Zachary uh, A week and a half ago
1: Yeah I mean I I even said on the previous podcast I wasn't thinking about Serena for Cincy And I wasn't really thinking about Serena this first week Of the US Open until this Match because Like you said Down Love 2 She summoned the Serena of old the Serena That clawed her way back in that 2005 semifinal against Maria Sharapova and she showed me today that she wants this number 24 and i'm putting her at the top of my list in terms of i think that she's going to take it i think she has a new motivation and i think it's going to be osaka and it's going to be an osaka williams final and how how amazing would that be
0: i mean yeah that would be awesome i didn't pick williams to go to the final but uh, so th- the the draw that i have s- has a final between osaka and kenin i mm. think i think i think kenin might beat serena if they make it to the semifinals
1: this time i this time i don't think so I, I i under under normal circumstances i think yes but i think serena showed today that she really wants it
0: this this match for you was a turning point it, for the, in the tournament for her correct
1: that is 100% oh. correct
0: Okay, so we'll see. So your your suggestion on Saturday will be Osaka versus Williams, and I'm saying Osaka versus Kenin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh, juicy! <laughs> and you think if it's Osaka versus Serena, who will take it? I you think strings, you say Serena.
1: I think it's gonna be. I think that the universe could not write it any other way than to have Osaka versus Williams in the final, and I think it's going to be a complete turnaround of what we saw the last time they played the U.S. Open final. I think it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be, well, not not a turnaround in that sense. I still think it's going to be dramatic, but I still think it's going to be Serena that's going to summon all of her energy to win that 24th
0: slam. I'm going to... I'm going to go with you. I'm going to, you know, okay. Okay. <laughs> you've you've convinced me. <laughs> Osaka versus Williams. Williams is going to win her 24th. Yes. Oh, yes. So over to the men then. Poor Sitsi My boy. Yeah, My honey the Greek bun. the Greek
1: god. The Greek god. He's now left relegated to eating hot dogs.
0: Yeah, he felt that this, his loss against Chorich in the third round, having blew six match points, was the funniest and saddest moment <laughs> of his career. <laughs> he, um, yeah, that's that's tough. He was up five one in the fourth set.
1: He's a yeah. He's a different cat. Um, I mean, I as you and I know. Tennis is a point here or there I mean he had many points to,
0: <laughs> to clinch it mm-hmm. but he just didn't so he kept shank he shanked a few forehands uh, when he had those match points so and some are saying that perhaps he should change his coach and swap daddy for somebody else oh level up yeah exactly but now that joko is a no-go the draw is wide open -hmm and there's going to be a new it, Grand Slam champion. Yes,
1: I, I forgot what the stat is, but this is the first time in a Grand Slam that that Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are since went since what year are not. It was part like of 2000,
0: the, 2003 or something like that. That's crazy. Seventeen years? Can you imagine? I know. I was living in Korea at the time. <laughs> It's crazy, and but you know, I shared Mm. on our Instagram stories how excited I was that two thousand and fourteen U.S. Open where I uh, was there, I attended and got to see Genie Mm. and a few other players. That was the first time where it was um, Chilich versus Nishikori, and I had explained that I was excited at that time to see some new faces, and I'm just as excited now to see. A bunch of new faces. And obviously, it's unfortunate how that came to be and that the favorite got ousted. But here we are, and we got to live with it. And we got to live with the tennis that follows. Yeah, it is exciting. I'm glad there's going to be a new slam winner. So we have at the top half PCB, the shock and awe default recipient mm-hmm. uh, of good fortune versus Dennis. Chapeau, his first quarterfinal. We have Chorch versus Zverev. And Zverev has sort of been quietly, you know, with his little warm-up kit and his messed-up, disheveled hair making his way <laughs> quietly through <laughs> <laughs> the draw. Mm-hmm. And then we have Rublev against either Tiafo and Medvedev, which is ongoing at the moment, and maybe you have an update on that. Mm-hmm. And then, as we mentioned, we have... Baby Hitler against <laughs> Dominic Team. So that's Thiem. the quarter. That's the quarters. How they are shaping up.
1: Yeah. Do you want me to give you my rundown of what who's going through in each of those quarters?
0: Yes. Let's uh, do a bit of a comparison because I did prepare and I have I have my final set and you might be surprised.
1: Okay. Well, PCB versus Chapo, I think there's no question there. I think Chapo is ready to rise to the occasion. I think that PCB is happy that he what's the prize money here? He's going to get hundred his 400 $425,000 Amer- USD. So, he's going to be happy to go home. I mean, he's not, <laughs> but he's he's going to lose. Chapo's going to take it, move to the semis. Against Chorich and Zverev, I mean, you and I have talked exhaustively about how Zverev seems to know how to play in situations outside of the Grand Slams. But I saw his match against Davidovich Fakina. That girl was just, (laughs) she's like, remember my name? Because no one was talking about him. And he played amazing, I thought. And so I think it's going to be Zverev in that quarter against Chorich, setting up a chapeau semifinal. In the bottom half of the draw, uh, Rublev—I don't know who she is—but so she's out. <laughs> she can she can she can go back to wherever she's from, but whatever. She's uh, from Russia. Okay, well then there you go. Medvedev is also from Russia, so he can stay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you pick Medvedev.
1: Medvedev for sure, because um, because just because because he knows the occasion, <laughs> he's been there before. Diminar can go back and shave his mustache mm-hmm. and it's going to be team. And if, interestingly enough, I think that those you had made a comment, Jason, about how you were happy to see the up and up and coming slash next gen slash next torch bearers for men's tennis start to make moves and start to really show themselves on the tour. You've got team in my opinion, team, medvedev and zverev, zverev and shapovalov in the semis and you got your wish honey bun
0: yeah that makes me very happy i did not pick zverev to beat george
1: Ooh. i
0: picked i picked Ch- george to beat zverev i think i i didn't see that his last match to be honest so george or zverev uh, Zverev. Mm-hmm. I saw Ch- Chorich was also dominant. If if we're comparing the two, he won in straight sets, which is probably good considering his match against Tsitsi. Mm-hmm. So it it'll be a good match. It'll be one I will definitely try and tune into. But I did pick uh, Dennis and Chorich to meet in the semis. Dennis and Chorich. Uh, Dennis oh. and Chorich and Medvedev and team.
1: Medvedev and team. Gotcha. And gotcha. then
0: uh, my final is Chorich and Medvedev. <laughs> so
1: you don't think that you don't think that team is saying to himself, "This is my turn. This is my turn." After having lost a couple of slam finals, here
0: here I am. It's possible. It's possible, but I don't know. I'm still picking Medvedev. I think Medvedev, It's Medvedev's uh, tournament to win or to or to lose.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Our um, our follower and a loyal podcast listener, Norton Hills out in Australia. Hi, Norton. (laughs) Him and I had a little kiki on Instagram today and uh, he had responded. He had actually asked us a question, and he said, well, what are your thoughts about Medvedev? I'm like, well, I can tell you exactly what Jason's going to think because <laughs> Jason is a lover of Medvedev, not to the point of cheating on Delpo, but this is his man for the 2020 U.S. Open, and Jason, is you are holding true to your loyalties.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I've had, I have, I've had my eye on Medvedev for a while. I've been following his career. I've been watching a lot of his matches in the same way I watched like Pass and some of these other next gen players who are now coming up. Mm. And I think I think it's Medvedev's moment. Hopefully he will be able to build upon and, you know, learn from any mistakes like being up 40 love and then blowing the game against Nadal, <laughs> which turned around that fifth set. He won't do any of those things and he'll take, he'll take the title from Chorich in the final.
1: Okay. All right. So you're saying it's a Medvedev Chorich final. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a Zverev team final and that Zverev team final is going to go to five sets and team is going to win it in a, in a tie uh,
0: break. I would say if, if it's team and Zverev, it'll be four sets going to team and team will have his first Grand Slam.
1: okay all right well i like all this right. i like yeah
0: it. so we <laughs> you have you have all of our all of our notes all of our picks uh listeners so you can call us out later <laughs> thank <laughs> you <laughs> thanks for sharing with us your picks after the whole joko debacle what what do you think is next for him for Djokovic?
1: for joko yeah Um, probably uh, starting another tour. He's probably going to plan to create his own tour where there is no social distancing and (laughs) no mask wearing, and you can hit as many lines, judges, as you wish. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: I mean, I I would hope before he heads uh, over to Europe and to Rome, he's going to have one if not two therapy sessions with a therapist.
1: Yeah, you know what? I mean, listen, we we joke here on the Ready Play Tennis podcast. I'm going to again speak for myself um no one likes to see a player get booted out of a tournament in that way but it is his opportunity to reflect upon his behavior over the past few months because i am a firm spiritual believer that if you do not learn your lessons the universe is going to send them to you again and again so here's your time to reflect and hopefully you make the best out of that time honey bun
0: Yeah, but he doesn't have much time to reflect because he's going <laughs> to go play more more tournaments. But hopefully he can get himself under control. And let's not forget what he said in that conversation with the tournament referee, that there were other options he felt. He felt like they could have taken a game from him or a set from him. They could have done other things other than default him. So he was trying to appeal Mm. to the other options other than what seemed to be laid out in the rule book, And we can leave it at that, I guess. Yeah. He tried. He tried. He tried. He tried it, but
1: he lost.
0: Yes. Speaking of loss, it's our loss this weekend because we were supposed to be in Montreal.
1: Oh, my God. One of, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite times of tournament playing in the entire year.
0: I know, and we didn't get it this year. We were, COVID doth steal more things from us than we can keep track of anymore.
1: Yeah, so for all of you listeners out there, Jason and I are very active on the Gay and Lesbian Tennis Association tour. There are tournaments that are played all over the world, and one of the consistent tournaments that Jason and I participate in is a tournament in Montreal called the Coupe de la Reine, or the Queen's Cup in English, Um, That is an amazing tournament where we play on-site at a club called, uh, sorry, at at Ile des Sœurs. And um, yeah, it's the end of the summer on the Labor Day weekend. And it's just fun and friends and attracts wonderful people from all over North America and the world. And we're so sad to have missed it this time around.
0: Mm -hmm. What's your fondest memory on court? At the Coupe de Lalle.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, well, my fondest memory with you on court was our match last year against Edsel and Cam. I want to say that that's our Break, breakthrough doubles match. Jason and I had a penchant for winning our first round matches and then losing our second round matches at GLTA tournaments. But this was the first time that Jason and I won two matches in a row. And we beat a formidable formidable foes in Edsel and Kem, who we had lost to on separate occasions previously. And I thought that we just kind of were really gelling on the court. And so I remember that.
0: Refresh my memory. That was a straight set match. Did we beat them in straight sets. <laughs> I think we did. I think we did. We did. I think. I think we were. Um... The second set was tighter. I think we won the first set 6-2 and the second set was tighter. And one of my memories from that second set was the backhand down the the line. Yeah, the backhand (laughs) down the line, which just for our listeners, as you know, I've been working on this backhand. But at that time, a year ago, I was still mostly slicing. So anybody in doubles who we would play, they were always hitting to my backhand because I would... Slice it back and, you know, set up the, the net player for an easy put away. And uh, we were hot and heavy, I think, in that point. And suddenly I was just like, I, I don't even I didn't think I just sort of hit the ball and it went right over uh, <laughs> down the line. And I looked at you and I said, where
1: the MF did that come from? <laughs> but I was happy that it came at an appropriate time. Mm mm-hmm. Um, okay, very quickly for me, I mean, obviously the tennis playing is a highlight. Obviously the little kai kaiing with all the cute boys and, you know, the going out after the banquiqui to Sky Bar and having a little kiss with maybe one, two, or three boys is always fun for me. At the um, same time. At the same time. <laughs> Were you watching that day? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's right. And But what my fondest memory has to do with me Doing drag, Um, for those of you that don't know, I do drag on the side a little bit, and my alter ego, is name is Chi Chi, and I have been so kindly invited by the tournament organizers to perform at the um, award-winning banquet with my friends uh, Vincent, otherwise affectionately known as Nya Nya, and the best Celine Dion impersonator in all of Montreal, Guy Oud, And uh, yeah, we just have had so many fun moments um, on stage and I just, I miss it. It's my, my favorite tournament. Those, uh, those guys over there, the tournament director and the entire team really know how to do the best banquet in North America, in my opinion.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kent did his send off last year and they sent him off with like a Lion King tribute (laughs) and Guy always does the great. Celine Dion impression <laughs> I drive I drive all night I think was like one of them or they d- drove into the the uh, venue on was it like a scooter or a yeah on a Vespa yeah I mean they put in the time and the energy to entertain everybody who comes from whether it's New York or somewhere in Europe and not only are they doing that, but they're trying to play and compete in the tournament also. Exactly.
1: So all of the accolades they receive in terms of being the best small tournament, I believe. Am I wrong? Large, large the tournament. Best, yeah. They're the best large tournament. It is yeah. a deserved award. They are the best large tournament in North America. Anyway, the one, the one that I've, um, the one that I've personally attended.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so fun to go watch people on the court and to sort of, hang out by that court one and watch the mid middle weekend of the U S open on the TV screens and laying on the ground and catching up on the matches and, and driving around (laughs) to the grocery store or to the (laughs) sack down the street where I pick up bottles of gin.
1: Yes. Oh my God. As we talk about it, I miss it so much. Do you want to talk a little bit about your finals appearance? Oh my God, Jason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I had my, third B singles final appearance in Montreal 2 years ago. I think I was most happy having beat Nancy for the first time in the semifinals. Uh-huh. That was a, that was a big deal for me um cuz Nancy is so crafty. Uh so I was very happy to have beat her and unfortunately lost in the final this time in a super tiebreak. Uh, against a gentleman, I forget his name, but he was from New York, I believe, and he had this little <laughs> shtick where he would always brush the back of the, <laughs> the, can- the canvas at the back of the court before a point. I think it was like a little prayer or something. It obviously worked for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember that he was not wearing any undergarments. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are we giving away too much?
1: I mean, I know that he... Uh, was not Jewish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I don't know where we go from here, but he. But okay, he stood, I, I will. He was the winner. Yes, and I, I will provide the up to a.
1: <laughs> I will provide the proper segue. Um, you know, being Jason, one of Jason's best friends, and you know, growing with him in his tennis journey from that fateful moment uh in 2015 where we met and he said that he wanted to join tennis again to when he was in indy a couple of years later playing in his in the b tournament losing to an incredible player but he told me afterward that he said that he was terrible and that he should go down to c and i said no you're not a c player you should play in b and i i mean he had a hot boy summer and he made the finals of Montreal. So that was really I wanted you to win so badly because you had worked so hard for it. But
0: yeah, and I still haven't won, you know, three times a bridesmaid, never a bride <laughs> and that that tournament because it was a Masters, I got so many points that I got bumped up to A and I've been in I've been, you know, floundering and win winning one match here or there in A for a few tournaments now.
1: Well, then you can understand Dominic Teams frustration. He should be That's your true. favorite to win.
0: We just need to keep working and working hard. My first A tournament was at the Western and Southern site, th- by the way, and my first win was on the center court there in since Yeah, Mike
1: Myers. Wasn't mm-hmm. it Mike Myers? Yeah. When he he's didn't not have killing a people. On- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: on that note, we all have our picks. Uh, uh, we hope you continue to enjoy the U S open as it uh, heads into week two or it's uh, actually it's already in week two. Mm -hmm.
1: And the next time that you hear from both of us, we are going to give you the full recap of this week two. And there's going to be two new grand slam champions. Well, two new grand slam champions for 2020, but a definitely a new slam champion on the men's side.
0: Correct. And we could have a Williams 24th or an Osaka third or a Canon second. Yeah. Or a Brady first. Or Brady first. The Brady <laughs> bunch. The Brady first. Okay, bye everyone. Bye. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there?
1: And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready. Tennis Podcast. See ya!